You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. My name is Donnie. I mostly work in the student ministry around here, uh, which is uh, grades 6 through 12 for us. And so if you fit into that category, would love to see you at our student ministry. We can talk about that after service. Um, But I also get to be here uh, in moments like these uh, fairly frequently. Um, And I'm happy to be here with you to be able to talk about God's Word. I love talking about God's Word. Uh, It's helped me so much. So I hope you leave here uh, feeling like it's helping you as well. And uh, if you've been around Riverside for a little bit, You know that we're working on this larger picture of being all in for God. What does it mean to be all in for God? How do I do this? How do I walk this out? Uh, God has gone all in for me, so how do I give my all back to him? So every month, every season, we're kind of working on different ways to think about that. And uh, our way of thinking about that most recently, uh, given the flip over to the new year, is talking about this idea of happy new you, not just a happy new year, uh, talking about a soul makeover. What is a soul makeover? What's a soul? And how do I have a new soul or have a makeover in my soul? And so our our topic or our theme uh, for discussion this morning is safety. And in thinking about that, I was thinking about a trip, an international trip I recently took. And again, I run the risk of like, if you're already freaked out by international travel, you know, either this will like cure it or make it much worse. I'm not sure. Um, I love international travel and I've, I've, been, I've had the privilege of, of being in a lot of other countries, but you know, there are certain things that maybe uh, become a little more clear to you when you're traveling and away from your, your safety net. And uh, was was in Myanmar with a group of people and uh, you know, you're, you're looking for a home base. And so we, we got to our hotel and you know, there are things that you check off a list when you're, when you're kind of establishing your home base, you're finding a hotel, your expectations matter in those moments. A lot of times if you're on a ministry trip, you're like, okay, we're going to rough it, tough it, like doesn't matter, whatever. And so we get to this hotel and it was awesome. It's a really, really great hotel. And we were like, man, this is great. It's like better than we thought it was going to be. It was as nice and as accommodating, as comfortable as anything you'd find here. And so it just kind of like breathed a, a sigh of, of relief. And we're like, man, this is great, you know? So we get into this hotel and we're having a good time. And, and again, there are certain things that make you feel safe, even if it's not true that you are. You know, we all have these things. There are certain things we'll smell, taste, touch, see, look at. And we're like, okay, yeah, I like all of this, so I feel safe right now. So we're in this hotel. We're like, it's great. It's everything you want a hotel to be. I'm, I'm in great shape right now. So uh, I, I got a little too comfortable, I'll say. You know, and uh, so I, I left some things in my rooms, kind of a rookie move for a, a leader of a group. And I, I left some things in my room that I, I usually would travel with and keep on my person. And so we're out running around doing stuff. And it was rainy season really rainy, like crazy rain coming down constantly. And so we get back to our hotel and separating us from our hotel were floodwaters. And it was pretty significant enough to where you're like, this is not good. Like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how we're going to get into that hotel. And so you're kind of concerned, you're kind of freaking out. You're like, the hotel's safe. It's a great place. I can't get in there. I can't get my stuff out of there. And we're like, is there water in the hotel? We were thinking there was, but we can't get to the hotel. So there are some hairy moments there where you're like trying to adjust. And it's one of those awakening moments where, where and we all have these. It doesn't matter who you are sitting in this room, we all have these moments when the reality sets in that I thought I was safe. 
I am not as safe as I thought. That is a human thing that's going to happen whatever country you're in on this planet. And so we were having one of those moments. And so we navigated that situation. Uh, the waters went down. It wasn't as bad as we thought. We got in, breathed a sigh of relief, but we did decide to move to a higher ground. <laughs> we moved to a different hotel. And we're like, man, this place is awesome. We're like, man, this is good. Like, this is going as well as it could. So we, we get to the second hotel. And how many of you guys have ever used the safe inside of a hotel room? How many of you guys have ever used it? You guys, I, I've used it. I'm always thankful when it has one. I'm like, this is a good thing to have. I can put some stuff in here and it's going to be safe. And, you know, there are things you think are true, but if you don't have to see them, you don't have to acknowledge they're true, you know? And so it was a digital safe. You put in a little code, you get your stuff out. I put some stuff in the safe. I put some things in there. Valuable things in the safe that I really couldn't afford to be without. Didn't want to be without. And so a few hours later, I go to access the things, the very valuable things I put in the safe, and the code's not working. Like, it's given these weird messages on the thing. I'm like, this thing's not working. It's never happened to me before. The safe is not working. And so you know in the back of your mind, you know someone can get in there, but you just don't think about it, right? Someone can get into that safe. And what shocked me in the, in the moment that I was standing there watching someone get in the safe is how easily and how quickly that someone got into that safe because I called for help. And, you know, I'm saying some kid. That was my perception, my feeling at the time. There was this younger employee. And nothing wrong with being young. I love young people. But it's just there's, this kid comes walking in with this key and he just opened it. And I'm like, oh, wow. That's simple. There's a lot of really... Uh, moment, moment where it's like, that's not quite as secure as I thought it was. You know, great guy, wouldn't have done anything, no, no reason to believe he would have done anything wrong, but I'm just like, there was this moment of, this safe is not impregnable. Someone can get in here, not only can he get in there, this guy exerted no effort at all. And he's like, here's your stuff, you know, well, hands me my stuff, he fixes the safe, and he leaves. In like two seconds, it's like, man, wow, not really as safe as I thought. It's true for all of us. We have moments where we're made aware that we might not be as safe as we think we are. And how, how safe can you really get? On this planet, in any country you choose to go to, I mean, how safe are you really going to get? We go to great lengths to protect the things that are valuable and important to us. And I was thinking about this, and generally I think they come in three categories. First of all, the thing that's most important to us our bodies and the bodies of the people we love. And how do we protect them? A house with a door and windows and climate control and blankies, you know? We want to be safe. And so we go behind our door and we lock our door. And we feel safe because there are things that make us feel safe. And then also very important to us is our money. And so we have banks and we put our money in banks because we want our money to be safe. And then, you know, a lot of Americans, there's other stuff... It's important to us. We can't fit it in our house. So we have storage units for that. And storage units are for the other stuff that's important to us and we want to keep it safe. Houses, banks, and storage units. But what about the unseen part? So we've been talking about this idea of the soul. And a, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of, of, of sharing kind of a definition or a way, a, a way to think about the soul. And what I was thinking about was the soul is the whole. It's your whole being, seen and unseen, with a lean to the unseen, with a lean to the deeper spiritual part of you that everything else that you are flows out of this unseen spiritual part. The soul is the whole being. And so 
If we have houses for our bodies and we have banks for our money and storage units for our stuff, what do we have for our soul? And is the safety of our soul, the unseen part, leaning into the unseen part, what measures have we taken to protect that? Because it's pretty valuable. Our life, our very life flows out of the deepest parts of our soul. Too often, I think, we solely address the physical. We solely protect the seen. And I wonder how many of our days are spent, how many of our preparations and plans are spent thinking about the fact that there might be something more important to that. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us with this question that we're going to look at for the next few minutes. How can my soul be safe? How can my soul be safe? Can my soul be safe? How can my soul be safe? Holy Spirit, we need your help. This is a spiritual endeavor this morning. So whether we are here as people who know you and trust you or people who are not sure or investigating, Holy Spirit, I pray either way, you would help our minds and help our hearts to process and get what we're supposed to get out of what we believe is your word to us, these scriptures that you have left for us to find you and know you and live. Help us with this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're going to start by looking at Psalm 18, verse 2. I think it's a good place to start talking about soul safety. And it's written by a guy named David, very prominent figure in the first part of the Bible. The Old Testament played a very important role in the story uh, of God's people that has kind of led us to where we are today. Uh, Awesome guy, flawed guy, lover of God. Um, A lot of great stories about him you can go and read. But he was an artist, and he, he left Psalm 18, 2 for us. And it says... The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. It's like David is, is, is kind of a billboard in this verse for something that he's found that he just has to share. And often he would share it through music. He'd sing about it. And it was very poetic to him. But David's screaming to us today that, hey, guys, I found a way to be safe even though I'm not safe. I found a way, and the only language I can think of to describe this to you is to use physical metaphors, physical language. And man, he really goes over the top to describe how strong and how safe this God that he's found is. I mean, words like fortress, words like stronghold, this is military language that he's using to describe what he has personally found in God to be the safest place in the universe. And he's encouraging the people reading this, I think by the very words he's speaking, to look into this. Like, I want you to have the experience that I have. I wouldn't be sharing this. I wouldn't be singing it if there wasn't something meaningful to me that I want you to find as well. And so he's screaming to all of us. He's singing to all of us. God is the best and only safe place. Such a foundational reality that comes out of this verse. David is is testifying to us as a friend might saying, I found something that you have to look into. I found a place of safety. And not only is it the best place of safety, if you're going to compare it to all other ways that we try to be safe, it's the best. Not only that, it is the only safe place. He is the only safe person. Because on planet Earth, you don't have to go far to realize you can only be so safe. And David's saying, I found something beyond that. I found something beyond physical safety. And so you might read that, and if it was a friend talking to you, you might even say like, okay, okay, okay. I get what you're saying, kind of. 
Uh, how, how do I do this? Okay, if this is true, what you're saying, that God really can be this, how so and how do I take steps toward being in that shelter, that fortress myself? How do I do that? And so we're gonna try to kind of move toward an understanding of what does it look like for us to, to find shelter, to, to find safety? Because if it's true that God really is the best and only fortress, then I think we'd all probably want to be a part of that and explore more of that. And so some other scriptures help us with this. David also writes in Psalm 27, we're going to look at verses one through five here. David says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, When my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. It's it's like he's acknowledging the reality that whether we're willing to admit it or not, we all know is true. And he's painting this in a very, very emotional and dramatic way that there are things that come against our lives. Things happen really bad things. I mean, he's talking about devouring flesh. I mean, he's using very dramatic terms to say life gets really difficult and you feel like things are falling apart. And he's saying, this fortress that I have, though, is as bad as it gets on planet earth, this fortress I have, it, it, it still holds. Verse four, thankful for verse four. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. So he's saying, I can't do anything to get into this fortress. There's nothing I can do. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. I have to ask. So he's saying, I've come to God and I'm asking God to let me into this place of safety. I'm asking him to bring me under the care of his shelter. So he's saying, this one thing I ask God. And then he says, this one thing I seek, this is my, my objective, my primary goal in life David is saying, is I am seeking to be in the safety of my God, the best and only fortress. That's what I seek. And I, I couldn't help but think when I read that, what, what are we seeking? What do we spend our days seeking? What shelter do we spend our days seeking to get into? I think we expect to be in God's fortress, but do we seek to be there? Do we ask him? Or are we trying to create it all for ourselves? So maybe a good way to think about the beginning of this process of making God our shelter is to talk to him about it, to knock on his door, to ask him for his shelter and protection, to acknowledge that he can be that and is that. And Jesus moved this idea forward. Jesus in in John 14, 2, an often quoted verse, he says to his followers, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? So Jesus is acknowledging that there is a house, there is a fortress, there is a shelter in God that not only is real, but it is available and accessible. And he's saying there's plenty of room. God wants you in this place. And it's not only a place for now. David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, starting now. And Jesus continues and pushes that forward for eternity. There is a house. It's an eternal home, and there's a place for you 
in it. So your body might have a house, but does your soul have one? Your body might have a fortress, security system, good locks on your house, but does your soul have a fortress? You need a soul house, not just a body house. You need a place for your soul. I'd encourage you to entrust your soul, the whole, with a lean to the unseen. Entrust your soul to his house, the house that he has prepared for you. And it's our soul, but you know, it's kind of not. He made it. I didn't make me. I didn't come up with me. I didn't design or dream me up. He did. So when I entrust my soul to God, really I'm entrusting my soul back to God the one who gave it to me in the first place, the one who has the best idea about why I'm here and what I'm supposed to be doing and where I should be planted, where I should be protected. He knows what's best. And where my soul belongs, it's in his house. It's where it came from. It's where it belongs. Give it back. And I encourage you, ask him about it. Ask him to be in his shelter. Seek him, seek to be in his protection starting now. And so you might wonder, well, if I go up and knock on the door, the big wooden door of this fortress, imagine the big ring, God's big fortress. When I go up, I'm not sure, I mean, I got this going on, I got that, I I have these messed up beliefs and I have these mistakes, I'm not sure, was he gonna let me in? Here's what's beautiful about the scriptures and, and Jesus just takes care of this for us. The yes to you coming in is in Jesus himself. He is God's answer to, can I come into your shelter and protection? Because the truth is, the biggest thing keeping us out of his house is the muddy shoes, honestly, that we're all gonna bring into the house. I don't know how many of you guys are like anal about that. You don't want people coming into their house, sloppy shoes. You know, take those off the door. You keep the house clean. Our sin is this muck and this mire that God said, look, I want you in my house. I love you. I made you. I want you with me. But before we get too far, we've got to deal with this sin issue. We've got to deal with this darkness, brokenness, mud issue. And let me, just, let me just say, I'll take care of that for you. I just need you to acknowledge that it's there and I will clean it off for you. And that's what Jesus does for us. In the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, he takes the mud off of our shoes and rolls out the red carpet. He opens the doors wide so that we can walk right into this safe refuge. That's God's communication to us that I want you in here because I will, I'm not gonna ask you to clean your shoes. You can't clean yourself. I will take care of it for you. That's how bad I want you in my house. That's how much I love you. So if you wonder how God feels about you, that's how he feels. So you may say, well, okay, you say the soul is the whole with a lean to the unseen, so that still leaves the physical part of me. What about my body? How how does this shake out? Like what percentage of safety can I expect for my physical self? And how much am I leaning to the unseen? And I don't know if we can get to a scientific answer on that, but we do have some scriptures that help us to think about that. Luke chapter 12, verse four, we're gonna look at four through seven. It's kind of an interesting thing here because Jesus drops this huge blunt truth reality bomb with a smile on his face. Hey friends. And then he says something that is uh, more comforting, interesting. He says, Luke 12, four, I tell you my friends, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you who you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. This is one of those verses that's like, whoa, I'm not sure I like this part of the Bible. It's, wow, 
Jesus is being straight with us. And I respect that and I appreciate the straight talk. He's saying, you want reality, let me help you with a reality you might not be able to see in your own humanity. There is more than just the seen part of you. So if you live your whole life just paying attention to the seen part and being worried about that, you're gonna miss this huge other part. And it's interesting to me too, the word hell is something we hear a lot and we kind of think we know what it is. And the word, it's interesting to me, the word for hell right there is actually a physical location, a place name. When he spoke that, the people listening to him would have instantly gotten an image of their head of a place they actually knew about. This place that he's referring to was this if I say garbage dump, it's, it's not even bad enough to communicate what I'm trying to communicate. It was a, a disgusting, horrific place of refuse and garbage and animal carcasses. And it was outside the city of Jerusalem. It was like a garbage dump, but way worse than any garbage dump you've ever seen. It was so bad, they had to keep it like burning all the time to try to burn the stuff away. And, and dead bodies, people would actually end up there as well. It was this terrible, disgusting, smelly place, literally the definition of a God-forsaken place. You'd never want to be in a place like that. You would never choose, hey, let's go. We're going to go for a walk. Let's go to Gehenna. Let's go check out the Valley of Hinnom. You busy today? No one, the kids weren't even going to check that out. No one was going there. It was gross. It was horrible. God forsaken. And Jesus uses this picture to show us that the separated from God, outside of his shelter, outside of relationship with him, there is nothing good. There is nothing good. It is only death. It is only reek. It is only void of life and empty. And there is that place in life now and also after this life. There is a place of separation from God. And so he's being straight. He's being truthful, saying there is that place. Don't choose to be in that place. And at the same time, he says, fear God. But look what he says. He says in verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So he's saying, fear God, because he does have the authority. You came from him. You don't own your soul. He does. And he can't. He could throw you into hell. But this God I'm telling you to fear, man, he loves you so much. He's got the hairs of your head numbered. So do you need to be worried about that? No, because you can trust him. He's good. He loves you. And he has your best interest at heart. I love the truth mixed with the love there that Jesus gives us as a gift. What do I do about this physical body? Like, how, how do I manage this tension? Romans 8, 35 through 39, Paul says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? All physical things. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's an acknowledgement that, yeah, the physical body is, is frail and fragile, but we don't need to fear any of that stuff because there's more to you than just what is physical. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 18 through chapter five and verse one, Paul says, so as a result of this reality, we fix our eyes not on what is seen. We don't prioritize that. But what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, it lasts forever. For we know that if the earthly tent, the body we live in, is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human 
hands. So safety of the body is not equivalent to the safety of the soul. They're not the same thing. And trying solely to protect our bodies actually jeopardizes the safety of our souls. So what's the answer to that? The answer as a result of these scriptures and what God's trying to communicate is to, is to entrust your body, your physical well-being to God, to let him determine that, to put his priorities first, to entrust your body, to give your body back to God. And again, same thing as before. I, I didn't create my own body. If I did, I might have chosen a few things that are different. Thankful for my body, but I didn't make it. People always talk about my body, my body, my body. I mean, it is, but it didn't come from you. You didn't think it up. You didn't put it together. It's really his. He came up with your body. So to entrust it back to him, is that so crazy? To give it back to the one who made it, who designed it, who knows the best purpose for it? To entrust your body back to him seems like a really good decision. Now, we're supposed to use our body, but not abuse it. Because one might say, well, if it's all about the spiritual stuff, then who cares what happens to my body? That's not quite the right attitude because that's not honoring God. So to entrust God with our body means to honor him with it, to use it for the right things, the things that he designed it for, to accomplish what he wants with our bodies, not just to be careless and reckless with our bodies and do what we want, but honor God with it. And sometimes that means risking it if it's for his purposes and if our life is truly in his hands because the unseen and the eternal ultimately is what's most important. And, and it was one of the things I love about 2 Corinthians 4, is if it gets taken away, and it will, it will, you are going to die. I'm going to die. This body does not last. It's reality. And sometimes I feel like we go through our life and we're so shocked at that. When it happens, we're so surprised. I'll tell you, there's nothing more certain that physical life will come to an end. Part of the scriptures screams that at us. Guys, this is temporary. Over and over, we see God emphasizing this. You have to acknowledge that life in this body is temporary. So if your body gets taken away, and it will, he says, I'll give you a new one. It's pretty awesome. He's saying, I made the first one. Are you worried I can't do this again? So if you trust me, if you put your soul into my keeping, you lose your body, no problem. No sweat. I'll give you a new one. I'll give you a better one. And that's a promise, a guarantee right there in the scriptures. Do I trust the creator of my soul? Absolutely I do. Because he's the one who's given me every good thing in the first place. Jesus is such a great model for this. Jesus put his physical body on the line for something eternal and unseen. He used his physical body to glorify God, but he was willing to risk it for our eternity, for my eternity and your eternity. He spent his body in order to gain for us an eternal relationship with God that we wouldn't have any other way. So Jesus is an example of putting our physical bodies in perspective and how to use them for, for God. Why did he do it? He gave up his physical house so we could have a soul house. That's what Jesus did. Gave up his physical house so we could have a soul house. So okay. Sometimes we don't care about our bodies. We actually care about our stuff more than our bodies. It's true. What about that stuff, you know? I mean, stuff's important. It's part of who, who I am, my, my money, my savings, my, what I work for, my investment. It's part of who I am. So what about that? Does that fit into all of this? How does that get kept safe? Does God have a plan for that? Another gift Jesus gives us, so many, but two verses say a lot. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. 
Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, love vermin, it's like, yeah. vermin destroy. Word can also be translated rust. Basically anything that eats, eats away. So whatever makes you feel better. Rust makes you feel more comfortable and you don't want to think about a rat chewing through something. It says, don't put treasures where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. There are no rats in God's shelter. There's no rust in God's house. He's saying, where do you want your stuff? It's a choice that you make. You're either going to put your stuff with me or you're going to put it with yourself or into a world that's rusty and being eaten by rats. So where's your storage unit, basically? Where's your bank? Where are your investments as you sit here this morning, entrust to his storage unit. Entrust to his bank. Entrust your investments to God's kingdom, a kingdom that will never pass away, a kingdom that is unseen and is safe and protected from the junk of this world. Invest in that kingdom. And I don't think the stock market has something for the kingdom of God. The little, you know, the little letters, the, the abbreviations like KOG. I haven't seen that on there, not that I look at the stock market. But you can invest in this, even though it's not a physical place you can put your money, even though it's not something you can call your broker and tell them to put it into, you can choose to invest everything you have, your stuff, your money, you can invest it into God's kingdom. And it's actually the only way, it's the only way that the physical then becomes eternal. Say, well, how do I do that? It means every day we're asking the question, how do I use my stuff and spend my stuff on the things that matter to God? Because the things that matter to God will outlast this life. And usually that relates to people. And usually that relates to people in God. So generally it fits into those two categories. But we got to start by asking the question, we get up in the morning, how can my stuff be his? How can I spend this meaningless stuff that's not going to last on something that will last? And if you ask that question every day, and if you try to do the right thing with that, it will change your life. It will probably change your budget. It will change your house. It could change your car. It probably will change everything when you just start asking that question, but you got to start asking that question. Is my stuff really safe? And here's, the, here's where we're going to end. And this has been such a powerful thing that's working in me this week thinking about this. And it's 2 Timothy 1. We're going to look at verses 8 through 12. And I was thinking that uh, a lot of times when I'm preparing a message like this or I'm thinking about it and reading these scriptures, usually there's something that just won't get out of my head. And I was thinking like, that's the ringer for me, the, the thing that rings in my ears in the days leading up to the day that I'm, I'm talking about it, something rings. So the ringer this morning is, is in 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12. Paul is thinking about this stuff big time. He's at the end of his life. He's writing to Timothy, who he's trying to encourage. And he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to live a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because, and here's the ringer, I know 
whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. You know what just rang in my head after I read that? It's not a question about whether God can protect it. What I was thinking about is what have I entrusted to him? Is it possible that his shelter and his fortress is the strongest ever, but I'll get to the end of my life and I have put nothing into it? It's a haunting question because that day is coming. We talked about that. It's inevitable. And when that day arrives, what will be in his safekeeping? And here's one, of the, here's one of the huge problems, I think, with humanity. It's something I encounter in my own life a ton. And honestly, it's something I see over and over again in people I interact with. Big problem with us is that we expect God to guard and protect what has not been entrusted to him. We expect him to shelter us when we have chosen to be outside of his shelter. And we get so mad, so disappointed, so crushed, so frustrated when God does not shelter what we have not entrusted to him. Yet he screams at us through creation, through relationships, through his word, trust me, give this to me, I'll take care of it, I'll protect it, put it in my hands. And we don't in so many ways. And we're shocked when it's broken and when it's lost. You want it safe? Entrust it to him. Well, what do you mean? Uh, you fill in the blank. Your relationships, your future, your education, your friendships, your kids, your finances. I mean, what is it? If you want it safe, entrust it to God. Figure out what it means to put that thing into the hands of God. Whatever you think is important. Whatever you think life really depends on, whatever you're concerned about, whatever you're worried about, entrust that thing to God because unless you do, it will never be safe. We cannot protect what's most important to us. Man, is a parent standing up here? This is what dedication of a child is all about. It's an acknowledgement. I cannot protect this child. I cannot be the fortress for this kid. God, here is this child that you've given me. You be the protector. You be the fortress. And we've got to do this not once, but every day, every week. When we come across something that we're wanting to hold in, we've got to learn how to give it to him because we cannot protect, we cannot control. Only he can. And the sooner we come to that realization, the better off we are. The sooner we realize that there's some kid that's got to keep that safe. The sooner we realize that the floodwater's just waiting at the door of that hotel. The sooner we realize that it's actually a gift. It can be jarring. It can be scary, but it's a gift because it shows us where we should put that which is most important to us. And how are our kids, how are our coworkers, how are our friends gonna learn who God really is if they don't see us doing this? If we don't actually stand on what we say is solid, who's gonna believe that our religion means anything? Does our faith even mean anything if we can't trust him with everything we have? Why should one of your friends put their trust and their faith in Jesus? So this is the way we show the world that we're serious about this as well. So I encourage you to take your whole being, your soul, everything you are, and trust your soul to God and make it your life's mission to figure out what that means in every area of your life and trust your soul to God. And it starts with Jesus. It starts with coming to Jesus saying, I trust what you did on the cross for me, not my own ability to just be awesome. I know I need you. So I trust my soul. I trust my sin to you. I'm gonna give you my sin, give you my brokenness. I trust you with it. 
Start with Jesus. Can I really trust Jesus? He died on the cross to scream, yes, I don't know any other way to show you that you can trust me, but to literally give my life for you. Can you trust him? Yes, you can. Can't make you a lot of promises in life, but I promise you can trust him. He loves you. He died for you. He wants you in his house. So what will you entrust to him? I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up, and as they do, would you bow your heads and think about that question? What will you entrust to him? Right now in your life, what is outside of the fortress of God? What will you entrust to him? What should you entrust him? What is the most important to you? When I ask that question, what are the first things that come to your mind? Probably a similar list for all of us. Have you entrusted those people and those things to God? Your health, your family, your parents, your future, your finances, all those things. Have you trusted, have you entrusted those things back to Jesus? The very life that you live, the breath that you breathe, your future, your physical body, have you entrusted those things to Jesus? Scary? Yeah, we're human. It can be a little scary. But for you, what's the next step? Is it a conversation with him to just be straight and talk to him about what's going on in your heart and your mind? Is the Holy Spirit kind of like ringing something in your ears, talking to you this morning? You're hearing him nudge you and maybe it's him trying to get your attention. Is there someone in, in, in your life you can call when you get out of here and be like, we need to have coffee this week. I gotta process this. I gotta talk about this. Some godly person that'll be shoot straight with you. Maybe if there's a place in your life that's not entrusted to God, you have a godly person in your life that, that loves you enough to tell you the truth. They'll look at you and say, no, you, honestly, you're asking, I'm telling you, your, your finances aren't entrusted to him from, from my perspective. You have people like that will sit and tell you the truth. Where do you have work to do? And who is looking at you? Looking at your faith wondering if God is real and watching your life. Who's reading your Psalm 18 too? What are you saying? The way you live and what you're doing. Maybe you're here this morning and your first step is to have, a, have an intentional, real conversation with Jesus. You might have been sitting in comfy church chairs in different churches for years, but you know and God knows you have never had this conversation with him. You have never said, Jesus, here it is. I've been hearing about this stuff, but this morning I need to give my life to you because I do not want it to be outside of your safety and shelter. So here is my life. Here is my brokenness. Here is my sin. Forgive me, please. Let me into your shelter because it's the best place for me. Will you let me in? You say that you died for my sin. Will you please Forgive me and let me into a relationship with you. I want this, God. I want to start this this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and your prayer is, God, forgive me because I've been doing the religious thing. I, I, I kind of have this Christian God-looking life. But the truth is, I have not been entrusting you with A, with B, with C, with D. Here's the stuff I've been holding on to. Here's the stuff that's important to me that is not in your keeping and I have not entrusted it to you. And you know that and I know that. God, forgive me. This morning, that needs to change. Here it is. I'm pushing it over to you. Help me to continue this process of entrusting you with what I've been holding on to. Maybe you're here this morning, your prayer is, God, give me strength because I feel like I'm in a good spot with this, but I know what's coming. Maybe you are in a situation right now where you are struggling to trust him. 
to let him totally have something. Maybe you know what's down the road. You've got some relationships that are throwing you for a loop in this area. Maybe you're battling with someone that you feel like you should be protecting and taking care of. And it's this ongoing commitment of, Holy Spirit, give me the strength to do this every morning when I get up, to entrust to you, to entrust to you, to entrust to you, and to let you be my safety and my shelter. You bought my eternity. You can take care of my present. God, I pray that you would hear every prayer every thought of every heart spoken in this room and spoken as people leave this morning. As we pray through worship, as we talk to you, as we have starting conversations with you, hear these prayers. Meet honest and open-hearted people where they are this morning and respond to their steps toward you as I know you always do. As we entrust ourselves to you, fill us with your peace and strength and give us a real sense of safety that can come only from you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.